This is the Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Graybeal. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business and Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Jared Grabiel, and we got lucky again. As you know, if you follow the podcast, I issue at least one show every month under 20 minutes, which is a practical teaching on business and leadership. But today we have another bonus interview. I'm, I'm really excited about this interview. We had some fun scheduling it. Um, it so... The guest today is Mark Magna. I stumbled upon Mark's, uh, just his journey and his story by visiting Miami for Wadapalooza. And um, uh, my chiropractor, Dr. Sean Yansa Van Reinsberg, he's been on the show. He told me, you've got to go to this gym called Anatomy. And I thought, man, I've been to a bunch of gyms, uh, but I'll check this one out too. And I did absolutely love this gym. And I talked to the people at the front desk. I said, man... What's the story of this gym? And they told me a little bit about Mark. I Googled him and just, I was blown away. And I'm like, I got to see if he'll get on the show. Didn't really think that I'd be able to get in touch with you. And I did. And here we are, Mark. So thanks again for being on the show. I'm really, really excited about this one. Um, so thanks for being on, man. Mark, if you could yeah, tell, the, tell the audience a little bit about what you got going on right now. And then I'd love to pull kind of your, your origin story from you after that. Absolutely. First of all, thank you very much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Um, anytime I get to talk to, to another human being in general, it's a bonus, like something yeah. like this, because you bounce ideas and you bounce things off each other. But it's a real bonus when you get to talk to someone in fitness and wellness. And they kind of, I always say they get it. Um, but you know, we had a tricky time scheduling this. So he, thank you so much for being patient and understanding. But sure. we're here. I'm excited. Um, I guess your question is uh, what I have going on, correct? Yeah. yeah. So I know you own Anatomy, which there's um, three locations in South Florida, right? We have three. Uh, we're building. We actually are still building, even today as we speak, uh, the fourth and we're about to sign a lease <laughs> on a fifth. So that's really, really exciting stuff, man. And yeah. part of my story is I won't even get into it because this is about you, but I, I intended on opening a gym and uh, the investor backed out. And then a couple months later, I sort of lucked out with the opportunity to start super fit foods, which is what I do now. And awesome. um, it's a healthy meal prep company. And, and we can get into that if you have any questions at the time. But uh, Mark, so how would you explain anatomy? Like, it's not another gym. It's not a health club. It's this unique um, thing. That's a good question. Uh, uh, certainly a question I get often. Um, my business partners and I, you know, had this special want or a special vision. And I've always wanted to create something where we weren't trying to create a gym. We were trying to uh, build a community. We were trying to construct and put together pieces to create a culture. And I would, I like to say anatomy is kind of like the Walt Disney of fitness. We certainly have great equipment. We certainly have a lot of great and wonderful options. But the thing that we hang our hat on is, is service and not just to serve and, and or to, to others, but be kind 
Like, say hello to the person. You know how gyms are. You could be in a gym. Everyone's focused. Everyone's keyed up and ready to go. But there's still a human being in front of you. Like, say hello. Say what's up. How you doing today? Do you want to jump in? Do you want to work in? How can I help you? That's what we do here. And the interesting part is that's not just our team. I can't tell you enough about our team. Like, we have an incredible team, the people in the front office. You know, starting with... You know, my business partners are incredible human beings. They're just amazing. Like I've learned so much from them. But then the people in the front office, the admin people, uh, our head of sales, head of marketing, like everyone is so incredible. And then our trainers are called body architects here. They're great human beings. Like they're, and people say, they go, oh, they're not that smart. I mean, these guys are, they're way smarter than I am. I mean, I, I used to think I was smart. Then I got around them. They're so intelligent, but they're great humans. They're mindful of other people, and what's going on in their lives and what's in front of them. And then the community's incredible. Yeah. But it's all happening at the same time. So if someone comes in here, you know, we'll get a, a rating or a review and people say, you know, everyone was so friendly and that that's the idea. I think that this is the ultimate hub for just check your ego at the door, contribute to the lives of others, get fit, get healthy, feel great about fitness get those endorphins going and you walk out of here because you know, when you train, you feel amazing, right? Yeah. Well, let's say you train, you feel amazing. But on top of that, you're around a wonderful people who feel amazing that also add to your energy. Yeah. How can we lose? I mean, it's just incredible. The, we always that. say the most important part, the most important person in anatomy is the other person. That's yeah. for everyone. That's for our team front office. That's for our body architects. Our instructors are incredible. That's for everyone. And when you have everyone doing that sort of thing, it's really powerful. I love, I love what you just said, Mark, and I want to revisit that for everybody listening. Um, it's sort of like an insert your business here quote. So can you say it again? Because um, I don't want to mess it up. The most important person in anatomy is the other person. Is that what you said? Right. So um, many years ago, I had a mentor. They, they, they told me in a relationship in life in a relationship, your significant other, in family, at work. If you go into work every single day and think, or into a relationship every single day, I'm not getting my needs met. What about me? Most certainly, you will always be right. Your needs will never get met. But if you think, what can I do for you? Like I asked my wife, babe, honey, what can I do for you today to make you feel loved, to make you feel valued, to, that, that I can make you feel appreciated i'll literally ask her um and here we have an entire team of people who i got to go help that person out let me grab that person a towel uh that the guy's not doing that exercise right but it's probably not going to work out if i go talk to him or approach him i got to figure out a strategic way to have the proper delivery so i don't feel make him feel uncomfortable awkward insecure like it's all those things and most people are always functioning right here right but the people that can function and be thoughtful and mindful and the most important person is not you it's the other person and be mindful of that 24 7 that's a powerful thing that's a powerful piece of advice not only for business owners leaders uh athletes spouses i mean like any in any walk of life if you can place emphasis on the other person you will get a lot i mean you'll endure some pain i think there's probably some pain to being selfless 
but the oh, long-term yeah. benefits. Uh, and I think in a time like this, that speaks volumes, right? Like the word empathy is like a common theme in my mind right now, right? Cause we're dealing with something we've, I'm not going to use the word unprecedented, even though I just used it, but we're dealing with something we've never experienced. And so empathy is fantastic. So I want to repeat that. I don't, I don't know if this is your quote, Mark, but you can have it. The most important person is the other person. So the most important person at insert your business name here is the other person. And I think you can see that in large corporations. You can see it in small businesses. Um, and I want to say this, when I came to anatomy, I got a tour and I was in the fitness industry. Uh, I was at a GM uh, at LA fitness and I traveled a little bit as they would open up new ones. That's what brought me to Jacksonville. And, um, I'd, I've done probably a million tours. I've trained on tours. I've, I've written the book on some tours. And I got a fantastic tour at Anatomy. So uh, I don't remember her name. I know you've got a lot of employees, so that's probably not that big of a deal. But just for what it's it, 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 it was Vanessa. It was a Saturday afternoon. Um, oh, if it was Saturday, maybe it wasn't Vanessa. But yeah. Okay. No, we have uh, maybe it was Tamaris. It was a female, short, ter than me, uh, okay. ethnic. I don't know. I don't remember her name. Um, Maybe Camila, but they, they're all, they're yeah. all impressive. No, it's great. And they know it. We tell them all the time, but they, and they, they, you can feel it oozing out of them, which is so cool, but yeah, they're all wonderful. Just, but thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Sure. And another thing, I know what Saturday afternoons and Sunday afternoons are like in the gym. Normally it's all right. Yeah. Try out the gym. Let me know what you think. And I'll show you the rates when you're done. Cause my boss is right. here. Um, right. So, Kudos to her. Kudos to you guys. How many people do you have within the anatomy organization? Ooh, like our entire team? Yeah. It's interesting. We think right now three locations, body architects at three locations, instructors at three locations, front desk. We call them the energy team at three locations. Our detail team at three locations, which is our maintenance team. Um, managers, general managers, team leaders, uh, head, uh, our head of group fitness, our head trainer at each location. There's got to be, I'm thinking, all in anywhere from, I'd say, somewhere in between 70 and 90. That's awesome, man. Yeah, there's a lot of people. And so you've created this hierarchy. So how many people directly report to you? Or like, what's your role within anatomy? I, I see that you train, oh, which is awesome. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. So my role is, um, I, I still work with some clients, but I oversee, I would, I guess the head of PT uh, would, 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 I hate the word report, but uh, kind of works under me. And, and we work actually together more than anything. Uh, that's Grant Whedon's and... Um, Jacqueline Case is the head of uh, group fitness programming. I work closely with our COO, David Geller, uh, my business partners, uh, Chris and Randy, um, but kind of oversee all things. But we have people for specific tasks and they don't report to me. We report to each other. That's the yeah. truth. I mean, I love to, you know, people say that they report to me. That's really not the case. We sit down together and we make decisions in a collective manner. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, um, Certain people go to certain people for different things, and you know the are the three owner the owners they they oversee everything. You know, yeah. if we have a question about marketing, uh, sales, or uh, strategy or PT, 
we go to the the right the person that's in charge, so to speak. Gotcha. Very cool. Sounds like a finely tuned machine. Um, well, it could certainly be a lot finer, <laughs> a lot finer. But we're 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 trending up. Yeah, we are trending up. We have great people, and uh, you know, there's I can speak. I can speak about every single trainer. Yeah, uh, I could tell you a story about Eric Story, who's one of the hardest workers I've ever met. Edwin Santiago, Brandon, Ty, they're so intelligent. Amanda, Nikki, all these people are just, we have two Jose's on our staff. It's South Florida, right? Two Jose's. And they're both incredible kids, incredible people. And they're, and they're hard workers. Yeah. You know, so to have all these guys on our team, they're just, they, it's a major, major all-star team. Very cool. Great. And every team could use works, and that just shows humility. You know, the minute you think that your team is uh, – impenetrable is usually a, a downward slope. Um, hey, Mark, I want to just real quick, two to three minutes, man. What, what is your story? I know that you high school, college athlete, you played in the NFL for a period of time. And then, so can you talk a little bit about that and how it brought you to anatomy? Sure. Sure. Um, uh, when, real quick, when I was younger, I, um, I'm an Italian kid from, um, Southeastern Massachusetts, and I grew up very obese. And my my thing was I, I had low confidence, very insecure, and I was very shy. And I spent a lot of time in the house. And my grandfather, who trained uh, the first Mr. Universe competitor, his name was Winner. His name was Everett Cinderhoff. Took me to the gym one day, and he, my grandfather was such an intelligent man, and he was like an icon in the city, but not because he was wealthy or successful. And I believe he's very successful, but successful in a different way. He was a major pillar of the community. And he took, he saw my insecurity and my weakness and my low self-esteem, took me to a local gym. It wasn't a gym. It was the local community center, the boys club, showed me how to lift weights. And he said, if you do this every day, this is going to change your life. And what he was telling me was, this is going to boost your confidence. You're going to feel better about who you are and you're going to change your life. And I went from a short I was like five nine or five. No, that's not true. Five six, one hundred and ninety six pounds. I was so fat, and then I trained every day, and it changed my life significantly. And I used to watch all these films, like these highlight films of football, and on these old VHS tapes, and I would memorize the numbers and the plays, and I would visualize myself doing those things, even though I was a terrible athlete. My brother was the great athlete. Um, but it's funny, Jared, because when my body started to become athletic from all the training, the things that I visualized myself doing for years, now I could do. And I was living it out. And I had so much practice because I was watching game film basically yeah. all day. It's very interesting. So I went out for the high school football team. I played freshman football and uh, the head coach saw me hustling and working hard. And he said, you know, I'm going to put that kid on the varsity team. So we did. I played on the varsity team as a freshman, and then I ended up starting for three years, uh, played as a freshman. And in my senior year, I got one scholarship offer to the University of Richmond. And the coach there who offered me, Jim Reed, who's like a father to me, he said, you know, I, I don't think he's very good. And he'll tell you this in the documentary. and We'll talk about that later. Please don't let me forget. But he said he was average at best. And that's what he says in the documentary. And I say, coach, I know I'll never forget what you said, but he saw the work ethic and he saw the determination and he saw me on the field at eight o'clock at night. And he saw me on the field at four o'clock in the morning. And he's like, who does that? 
Yeah. Who does that at 14 years old? Now, certainly there are kids, but we both know very few, right? Mm-hmm. So he offered me a scholarship and I showed up at the University of Richmond at 6'1", 219 pounds. And I was not fast. I was not that strong. And I was like the fifth string inside linebacker. He moved me to defensive line like the first day. And if you know anything about football, defensive linemen weigh 260, 270, I was 219 pounds. And then he started me at 219 pounds at nose guard. And people say, you're crazy. And he said, you think I'm crazy, but this kid gives effort like it's no one's business. So that 219 became 235 as a redshirt freshman. Then it was 245. Then it was 255. Then I played at 260 as a senior. And all of a sudden... Um, you know, one of the top contenders for national defensive player of the year, all American. And I lead the league in sacks and I set the school record in career sacks, uh, sacks in a season. And, you know, I'm the top defensive lineman in the country coming out of one double a football. And then I get drafted by the New York jets. So here's a kid who probably wasn't good enough to play high school football. He just got drafted to be a linebacker in the NFL by Bill Parcells to play for the New York jets. So the story is, it's, 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 so anyone that tells me the biggest problem with football or athletes is that they have a delusional sense of reality. Like, don't tell me what I can't do because I'm going to go out there and do it. Yeah. So now because of that pass, <laughs> I'm not that realistic. <laughs> yeah. I think I, that I, I can, if I put the work in, it's possible. Now, don't get me wrong. You got to be surrounded by smart people. I'm surrounded by a lot of smart people. My business partners are incredibly intelligent. Our CEO, uh, He's a business partner now. He's incredibly intelligent. These guys are like whiz guys. But together, we do something really special. And I ended up playing for the, uh, I was with the Jets. I went to the Patriots, played for the Patriots, played for the Bengals, went back to the Patriots. I played two seasons in NFL Europe for the Barcelona Dragons and the Berlin Thunder of NFL Europe. And then I played five years in Canada for the Montreal Alouettes, and we won the championship. So I have a lot of football in my system. Yeah. I played 26 years of football, and I know – Every coach, football player, like we know each other. Todd McShay was a high school, I uh, was a college teammate of mine on ESPN. He just texted me this morning. So hold on one second. Oh, you want me to come clean your hair? Or no, no, I, I'm on the call right now. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, you know, all of those lessons, like, and that's why I think it works well because I, when I look in the mirror, Jared, I'm still the insecure, shy, awkward, uncomfortable guy and I it takes one to know one right so I can spot another person feeling that way from across the room and my first instinct is I need to go over there and make them feel welcome I want them to feel comfortable you know I want them to experience who Mark is now in that by the way that works both ways because what they see now is a really fit guy who definitely has more confidence and they think I woke up like that they don't know the history yeah. That I mean, I was bullied to a point where I was crying every day and I didn't want to like take my head out from the pillow. I mean, I didn't even I was so afraid to walk down the halls of school that I would wait till class starts and I was get I was late going to class because I don't want kids to see me. Yeah. You know, it was it was a really tough story, but there's a lot of kids like that. Everyone has a tough story. I know that, but that's my story. And um yeah. I wrote about it in my book, Dream Big Never Quit. And yeah. in the in the film, just the kid from Fall River, 
Randy West, who created an unbelievable film, he's from Monarch Productions, took five years of his life to create a film to help kids who are at risk, like at-risk youth. Like, what does at-risk mean? Like, every kid's at risk. Yeah. And if you're a family, if you have a family, if you're a mom, single mom, if you have a mom and dad, if your parents should watch it, kids should watch it, athletes should watch it, students should watch it. If you're a human being, you should watch it because it shows the adversity and just do your best and stay the course and wake up every day and go after it. And things usually work out. They do. I believe that. Yeah. So I would agree. I think, you know, there's something to be said about, uh, I was thinking about it this morning, um, <clears throat> but a whole different like chain of thought, but hard work, you know, your book, dream big, never quit. It's like, never quit is basically associated with work really hard. You know, right. say work hard. There's like an underlying theme, like you need to be smart. Like that's, that's a part of working hard. Um, and I wrote a little bit about this earlier, but you know, optimism precedes opportunity. So you have to dream big. You know what I mean? Like um, realism isn't always what gets people to the next level, right? Like optimism, dreaming. Um, and, and you just keep working at it, right? Like yeah. uh, you take these That's steps, you know, like you didn't, I don't think, and I, I could be wrong, but I don't think when you first stepped in the gym with your grandfather, you thought I'm going to be in the NFL. You at least probably thought I'm going to lose some weight. Like I'm going to get in better shape. And then that turned into, well, if I can do this. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't even loose. Sorry to interrupt. It wasn't even lose weight. It was just, just, let's just make it through this session. Yeah. <laughs> like people don't understand. It's like, yeah, but you know, when I get, when I talk to high school kids and college football programs, or I talk to athletes, they always say, Mark, but come on, look at you. And I always go, well, let me show you a picture. So I bring this presentation, I show them a picture and they go, who's that? I go, that's me. And they don't believe it because it looks nothing like me, but it was get, Jared, get through this session yeah. one day. And they go, that's not possible. The, pos the problem is that most people view the far long-term goal and say, it's impossible. And I go, well, that's your problem. What you need to focus on is what's right in front of you, the now. If you focus on the now, you will get there. But I'm telling you right now, most people, Jared, they say, you know what? If it's going to be a five-year commitment or a 10-year commitment, or in my case, a 20-year commitment, it's too hard. You get too I don't want to do that. It's too much. And I go, I understand. And I hear it. Like, they're right. That's why less than 1% of 1% of college football players play in the NFL. Mm. But you can't look at it like that. I need to take this step. I'm going to take this step and I'm focusing on this. And then even micro, was that the best squat set? What was that the best bench press set? And I always ask people, I go, let me ask you a question. Were you running as far as fast as you can? And they go, no, not really. I say, why? Why weren't you running as fast as you can? Well, it's hard. And I go, that's the point. That's why no one makes it. So if I'm at a, I, I heard this story. So if you, this coach was at a basketball camp and he brought two kids over and he goes, I want you to run, take the first kid. He goes, I want you to run to that, that hoop and run back here. The kid runs and he runs back. Then the coach goes, hold on a second. Takes a hundred dollar bill out of his pocket. And he goes, if you can get down to that hoop and back in less than seven seconds, I'll give you this hundred dollars. So the kid sprints and he sprints back and he goes, how is that? He goes, 
man, you did that in like 4.5 seconds. And he says, do I get the hundred? He goes, no, you don't get the hundred, but now you have a better understanding of knowing like what real effort is. And I had to prompt you to get that effort. Yeah. So if you can give me real effort and not have to be enticed to do it, that's what's special. Most people can't do that. You know why? Why should I? Yeah. Why should I? And to me, it's my family name. It's pride. And I would rather die trying than win easily. Does that make sense? I'd rather do something where I I don't want to win unless I know I'm doing it right. And I'm giving all my effort. And as you said, look, I'm not an idiot. Work smarter and work harder. But you can't outsmart the hard work. Even in the smarter, there's hard work. In the most intelligent people I know say the same thing. There's still hard work. Everyone thinks they're going to outsmart the system. There's an app. There's a program. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to do content. I go, dude, it doesn't work like that. You got to take the stairs, bro. There's no elevator where you're just going to fly up there. Like, Come talk to me in 20 years when you have all this content. Then you'll be something. It's not going to happen in six months. You're not going to be a celebrity you got to put it in the work. Yeah. And most people don't want to hear that. Yeah. Especially these days, but we could probably go in a completely different direction with that conversation. Right. 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 Um, you know, I think things like hard work are, uh, a valuable, uh, currency in this day and age. It's easier to stand out. I think if you're a hard worker right now because of automation and things like that, um, man, Mark, I, uh, we might have to do a, a second round. I know we, we have limited time and I have so many questions, especially now. Um, what was it like? Side note, I um, grew up a Patriots fan, and uh, which is tough right now because Tom Brady and Gronkowski yeah. are, not, are not with the Patriots anymore. I know. Um, and it's also a little complicated because I'm from Lakeland, Florida. Uh, so I'm everyone there is a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. So very compelled to be a Bucks fan, but that's a different story. What was it like playing for the Patriots, man? Like such an iconic team. Well, being from Massachusetts and growing up a Patriot fan, I talk about this, you know, in my book and in the film, but when I went to any family gathering, all my uncles would gather around a TV, smoking cigarettes and watching the Patriots. And you could not talk. You could not talk. You had to watch the game. And like, I bleed like red, white, and blue. Yeah. So, um, sorry about that. I bleed red, white, and blue. And I would watch, like I idolized on, uh, you know, Andre Tippett. I idolized Irving Fryer, Steve Grogan. I idolized all those guys like Willie McGinnis. I had his poster. I had his poster up. So when I got to the Patriots and I was on the practice squad and I earned my way onto the um, active roster and I actually played, I showed up on game day and my jersey was hanging in a locker next to Teddy Bruschi and Willie McGinnis and legends. And I called my brother and I said, dude, I'm putting a Patriot jersey on and we're all getting dressed. And I had goosebumps. And everyone say, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Dude, it's, it was the biggest deal. Yeah. And when I walked out on that field, and I, I remember doing this. I had my helmet on, my chin strap in. And when we warmed up, and when I walked out with the linebackers for warm-up, I pulled my pads down, and I looked up, 
And it was like, you know, whatever, 70,000 people screaming and people were screaming, like not a lot, but a few people were screaming my name. I was thinking, this is like the greatest moment of my life. (laughs) You know, and and, and, uh, my wife would kill me, but um, she understands. And I was thinking, the only reason I say that, Jared, is because all the work that it took to get to that moment. Like the amount of pain and suffering, most people would never even fathom. It's just, it was so much suffer and sacrifice and every party that I didn't go to and everything I missed out on. And I was fine with it. I was happy to miss out on it. And every time someone did a workout and cut it short, I did two or three. In that moment, it meant something. And in that moment, it was like, you know what? I'm not 6'6", 270 pounds. I'm 6'2". I was 240 pounds at the time. I kind of looked like an average guy. I made it possible for a lot of people. And that's why it was so important. It was important to me. Like, look, halfway through that season, my uncle died. We put his ashes in a can. I spread them on the field. That's amazing. Like, that. My, our family, like if you're from New England, I'm from Southeastern Massachusetts, my brother's a construction worker. Nothing else matters. Like it's football, Red Sox, Celtics. Like when they knew I was wearing that jersey, do you know the sense of pride that that construction crew felt? Yeah. It was like They're time stopped. Ridiculous. Yeah. You know, so That's incredible. it was great. Yeah. That is so cool. It's such a cool part of your journey, you know, and, and what brought you here. Uh, so what inspired you? I mean, what was like the moment that inspired you to write the book or was there something that happened or was it a culmination of experience? Um, well, the book I've always w- wanted to, I mean, look, uh, the quick answer is when I was in third grade, my writing gram, my, my, even on post today, people still correct my grammar. <laughs> it's so bad, but, um, <laughs> you know, I have a woman that messages me every morning. She corrects my grammar. It's so funny. But my writing teacher in third grade told me, look, she said, she was like, I know sports aren't for you, but guess what? Writing's not for you either. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's really disheartening. But I remember thinking, I'm going to be an author. I'm going to write a book. And I'm going to write about my life. And hopefully people care, you know? So I said, you know, who is this book for? It's really for parents, kids. I struggled with academics. I struggled with sports. I struggled with being bullied. It's for everyone. So one day, my wife was out of town working for the weekend. And Friday night, I just sat down and started writing. And I wrote for like two, three days. And when she walked in the door, she looked at me. And she's like, you look like you've been hit by a truck. And I looked emotionally drained because if you've ever written, not to minimize things, but if you, a post is different. But if you've ever written like a lot of material, and in my material, I wrote about the letdowns with my family and my father being bullied, um, my insecurities, why I felt that way, why I would sit on a park bench for three days and my father said he would be there and he would never show up. And I took all those experiences with me my whole life. And although my father maybe didn't show up 50 times, I've been reliving that every day my entire life right? As we all do. I went to a retreat, a special retreat, and they said, the reason that people struggle with emotions is because something negative happens, it should be over. They take it with them and they relive it all day, every day. 
So although it happened one time, it's happening a thousand times. Yeah. So when she came home and saw me sitting there at the table, I mean, I felt like I got hit by a truck. I was crying. I was miserable because I relived all those emotions and things came out that I completely forgot. And I think I wrote, you know, maybe 150 pages in Microsoft Word, like nonstop. And then all of a sudden I realized, I think there's an actual book here. So I kept writing. I had so many different people help me with editing. They were all amazing people and uh, put, put the book out, you know. But writing the book myself, by the way, that was hard. A lot of people have ghostwriters. I wrote yeah. a book myself. Yeah. That was the hard part. And of course, the, I had all kinds of people fix it, fix the editing. But writing that, just in regards to concentration, was hard. Yeah, really. No, I, I can empathize. I've been working on two different books for about two years. Uh, right. I think I'm writing two because I'm not committed enough to just finishing one. And sometimes I'll just bounce because I'm more inspired to work on one than the other. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think writing is a form of therapy. Would you agree? I mean, you, you fleshed out a lot of those details and that's painful, man, but sometimes you got to, no, it's therapy. you're right, Jerry. I'm sorry to interrupt. It's therapy. It is therapy. Yeah. Um, well, Mark, I know we, I, we, we have a couple more minutes and I have so many more questions that I want to ask, but I'll, I'll basically jump into my closing questions. Um, so, uh, real quick on the pandemic, what are some personal changes that you've made in regards to the, you know, for future audiences? We're, we're sort of right in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, have you made any personal changes to your life to adapt? Yeah, I, I, I thought I was putting in a lot of time before, but now it's putting in a lot of time, more time now. Now, like every morning I get up, um, Every morning I, I wake up and I send the, uh, our entire team a message. Like I write a message and send them a message every single day since we started, every day. And I said, I'll send one once a week. But I said, you know what? We have to stay tied in. We have to stay connected. And I see a lot of like wonderful people stepping up. But I also see a lot of crazy behavior. But I just attribute that to the pandemic. Like I, I do. Like because we've never been through it. Call it whatever you want. But we've never been through something like this. And I know you, I know you asked a separate question, but I always tell this story or I have been telling this story during this uh, pandemic, you know, all the people that post, like, you gotta be tough. You gotta be a warrior, get outside your comfort zone, beast mode, like go after it. Like just no fear. This is what they're talking about. Like, this is the moment. They're not talking about going into a gym, picking up a bar, doing 50 squats, bench pressing, doing push-ups, sweating in the sun. That, that doesn't matter. This matters. Like how you behave now. They, I say, my coach used to say this every single day, Jared. Hard times don't build character. They reveal it. Mm. We're seeing a lot of behavior that may be good. It may not be good. But this is what we are right now. And how have I adjusted? I've tried to do a better job connecting with the team more frequently. And that's really all I can do, man. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to implement new strategies to make everyone feel comfortable that that's the goal yeah that's good mark what uh what do you what do you think the future of anatomy looks like like long term what's the vision there i think the 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 most important part the first and most important part is trying to maintain this very special culture that we have here 
And it's certainly not because of me. It's because of everyone on this team has done an amazing job of, and look, we had something recently. I say we do a great job communicating, but we have a lot of work to do. But having those talks with each other, the hard talks, and that's what makes your culture special. And we have a special team, but we have an extra special community. Mm. The people that make up our community, they're just great human beings. And we wouldn't be here without the support of them. Yeah. We've been best, best gym in Miami for three years in a row. There's a lot of gyms in Miami. Yeah. And then, by the way, there's, there's a lot of great gyms in Miami, by the way. I have friends that own gyms. They have amazing gyms. So it's fierce competition. But you know, our vision long term is to maintain this special culture so we can add value to the world and help people become the very best version of themselves. Love it. Mark, who's, who's your favorite person right now that you're following on social media? Ooh, my favorite person. That's a tough one. Probably my wife. Okay, good answer. But, but I know what you meant by that. Uh, <laughs> but really, it's my my wife. And the reason That's I say that legitimate answer. No, just because like she's such a happy, good person. And I and I always like. I remember when I was growing up, there was a guy in my neighborhood. He said. I love hanging out with my wife and I'd much rather hang out with my wife than anyone else. And I remember thinking, that's kind of crazy. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I remember thinking that's kind of crazy, but I know what he means now. Like I'd much rather hang out with my wife than any of my friends. And I have some great, wonderful friends, but I just dig her and I appreciate her so much. She's such a great human being and she treats me amazing. So I follow her. I mean, there's a lot of great people I follow on social media. Like I'm a, I'm, I can, I'll mention them. I mean, I follow, you know, all, our entire team's incredible. I follow them. I like what people have to say, but most importantly, I like how they say it. Mm. Like the people who are just up there for attention, it's okay. I don't judge them. I don't think it's bad. That's just not for me. You know, I don't, I don't, of course we all want attention. I'm not, believe me, I'm not trying to be on a pedestal and say, I don't care because I wouldn't be up there. If I didn't care, I wouldn't be up there. But at the end of the day, I like how people say their message, right? And I like what, what I see. And I know it's just social media. It could be not real, but I like what I see in certain people. So okay. I know I didn't answer your question, but. No, it's okay. I mean, your wife. Uh, what, what would you say top three books that you've uh, read recently or maybe even ever? Ever. Those are two very different questions. Which one do you want? Ever. What are your favorite three books? <sighs> Man. I always go to, it sounds like a terrible title, but how to win friends and influence people. One of my top, probably two, probably number two. Right. But the problem with that book is the title. It's taken out of context. I mean, back then it was different. When people hear that title, they, they think I'm not trying to influence people and manipulate people. And that has nothing to do with it. It has to do with using your common sense skills and understanding people. And that's what, that's like the main takeaway of everything. Am I aware enough to pay attention enough to going back to the beginning, Jared, the most important person, which is you right now, and understanding not only what they're saying, but what they're not saying and why they're not saying it. Like, that's powerful. Like, am I aware? Am I aware of my surroundings? I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, Give me one second. 
I'm just telling my next call to hold on. I talk about awareness all the time, okay? So I told this story, and there's a guy uh, who works at the border. He's the head of the border patrol, okay? And there's a kid who crosses the border all the time on a bike with two big bags of sand. And every time the kid crosses the border, they search the bags of sand. And they say, I know this kid's up to no good. He's smuggling something. So the kid crosses the border. They search the bags. Nothing, just sand. Every day he does that. Every day he crosses the border, going the same way. So many years go by. The kid's now old enough to drink. He's in a bar. The head of the border patrol is retiring. He looks at the little kid. He goes, hey, Billy, I'm retiring, so it doesn't matter. I have to know, what were you smuggling in those bags of sand? You heard this story? Yeah, I'm interested, though. The kid looks up at the guy and he says, bicycles. <laughs> so here you have a guy working the Border Patrol who's the senior guy who's so hyper aware and he's in charge of everything. He thinks he knows everything that's going on. You got a 13, 14 year old kid for over the course of seven years smuggles bikes across the border and no one even knew. Yeah. yeah so everyone thinks, everyone thinks they're aware, but are we? I love that. That's so interesting. Um, all right, Mark, what's the best purchase you've made in under a hundred bucks in the last like six months? The best purchase under a hundred bucks in the last six months. I'd say um, under a hundred bucks. I don't know. I'd probably say the matcha green tea I drink. The matcha tea. All right. That's solid. It's organic. It's healthy. It's, uh, and I drink it all the time. And I don't drink coffee anymore. And I'm holding a Starbucks right here, but it's, it's matcha. Of course. That's so, a tough I used to drink a lot of coffee. I stopped. Yeah. That's, that's tough. I like coffee, but I limit myself. Yeah. Uh, I love coffee. Let me rephrase that. Right. Um, last question, and then we'll close out, man. Um, if you had the option to put anything on the biggest billboard, let's say Times Square, what would it say? This is one of my questions, you know. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Listen, any, any, well, first of all, it's not mine. It's yours. It's mine. It's everyone's. But I've heard this before. I heard it. I think I first heard it from Lewis. Lewis Howe? Tim Ferriss uses it. So he's another one. <laughs> um, I have two. And the first one is just the first thing that comes to mind is be kind. Like, really, just be kind. And I don't have, and listen, I'm not the most kind person. I'm not, but it's always on the forefront of my mind because a lot of times my response is, that's BS, screw that person. I can't believe they did that. But then I take a step back and go, well, what if it was me? Mm. What if it was my mother? What if it was my friend? Would I still feel the same way? And would I treat that person that way? And I'm going to take a bonus one. The second one is think. Did you really think before you said that, you made that person feel that way, or you reacted that way? Think. That's really good, Mark. Hey, man, I know you got to jump on another call, so we'll close out. I look forward to being in South Florida here pretty soon when the gyms open back up, so I'll reach back out to you. Hopefully, we can grab a matcha um, yeah. and, uh, and finish this conversation in person. I hope you have a great next call, man. Again, Jared, I'm sorry, Jared, I'm sorry to interrupt. Can I plug one thing, please? You absolutely can. 
Thank you so much. Sorry to interrupt. Um, guys, I want everyone to check out the film, uh, not because of me. I am the subject, but the director, Randy West, committed five years to this film. It's called Just the Kid from Fall River. You can watch it on Amazon. You can watch it on uh, as a Vimeo. You can watch it on iTunes. Just the Kid from Fall River. Please watch the film. If you have a goal in life and you want to work hard and go after it, watch the film. I promise you won't be... Uh, won't be let down. But Randy West created that film and he's an incredible human being. So go check out the film, guys. I'm sorry, Jared. Thank you. No, thank you, Mark. And how can they find you? What's the best way to find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram, 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 Mark Magna, M-A-R-C-M-E-G-N-A. I'm on Twitter as well with the same handle. I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter or on Facebook, but mostly Instagram. You can send me a DM and that'll probably be easiest. Okay. Awesome, Mark. Well, thanks for jumping on the call. I'll get this posted as soon as possible and I'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you guys so much for checking out this interview with Mark Magna. Uh, make sure to check out the show notes for the link to his uh, documentary as well as his book. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and share it wherever you use social media. We love you. Thank you so much and have an awesome day.